for as long as we have lived, for as long as we have known, love has carried us. You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. You can find out more about us at www.genesiscov.org. Enjoy the teaching in it together. The scripture lesson today is Mark 1, 14 through 20. After John's arrest, Jesus came into Galilee announcing good news. The time is fulfilled, he said. God's kingdom is arriving. Turn back and believe the good news. As he went along beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew. They were fishermen and were casting nets into the sea. Follow me, said Jesus to them. I'll have you fishing for people. Straight away, they left their nets and followed him. He went on a bit and saw James, Zebedee's son, and John, his brother. They were in the boat, mending their nets, and he called them then and there. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went off after him. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Morning, everybody. Uh, If we don't know each other, my name is Steph Spencer, and um, I spend um, a lot of my time doing uh, what we call scripture circles, which is gathering with people uh, in living rooms, in homes, in circles of people where we get to learn from each other, and um, I love it. And when I was talking to uh, my friend Steve Haynes about this morning, and like, yeah, what can we do with this space? And he's like, well, what if you let it like a scripture circle? And I suddenly thought of this parenting rule that I don't know if you know, which is never ask a question you don't want the answer to. So for those of you who are parents and don't know that, like, hey, do you want to leave the house now is never a question you ask a toddler because they'll say no and then you're stuck. And uh, so once he said that, I thought, yeah, yeah, okay, I think that's what we're going to do. But that's also a little bit uh, scary, probably not just for me, probably for all of us. So... Uh, you might have come into church this morning uh, wanting to sit in a corner behind something and kind of just show up and not be noticed. Sometimes we're in that spot. And uh, first of all, that's okay. If we're in that spot, we're in that spot, and you are welcome here. And I'm going to push on that a little bit. Because if you've been here before, we do something called all play questions. And this is pretty much going to be all all play questions. (laughs) This is going to be a time where we are going to hear and learn from one another. And so for some of us, that's going to be a spot where we are really excited to talk a lot. And for some of us, we're wanting to bolt out the door as soon as possible. Um, Whether, however you're entering into that, we're glad you're here. We're not tracking how many people talk or how often you talk. You don't have to say anything if you don't want to. Um, But this is an opportunity to be seen and to be heard and to be a community together. So what I'd like to do first is actually invite all of us, including me, I'm going to sit down, um, to actually think about how we are today. 
how we're coming into the room. What kind of things happened this morning? Are you, you know, did you have that fight on the way to church that you try to pretend you didn't have because you're walking in with your smiling church face? <laughs> or did you wake up on the right side of bed and you're excited about the day? Are you thinking about the Vikings right now and can't think about anything I'm saying? <laughs> Where are you actually on spectrum? So um, I'd like to invite all of us to just close our eyes. And to really get in tune with that. What kinds of questions are wrestling about in your mind? Uh, what have you been thinking about as you've been stuck in traffic lately? What is it that is keeping you up at night? How is it you're feeling as you're coming into a church community this morning? I'm going to leave it quiet for a little bit to allow all of us to just actually feel that, actually think about that. And then I'm going to pray, and then we are going to see uh, what our passage has for us. Abba God, I thank you for a new day. Some of us really needed a new day today. But the truth is, all of us need it. All of us need the reminder that your faithfulness is new every morning. We thank you for this community. We thank you for a place where it is safe to show up as we are, whether we are feeling loud or quiet, happy or sad, frustrated or in the flow of life. Um, thank you for a place to come. Thank you for the chance to gather around your word and to see how it might speak to us. We pray that you would guide our time together in this passage and that you would uh, use it to help us to know who you are and who we are and how we can walk out of this room with a few more seeds planted that can come to life in this world. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, <clears throat> anyone willing to share out loud how you're coming into the room today? How are you feeling this morning? Selfish. Okay, thanks, Bob. Selfish, self-centered, and secularized. <laughs> it's a word to be careful with saying out loud, I just discovered, you guys. <laughs> nope, nope. You said it perfectly. I almost didn't. Secularized. <laughs> How else are we coming into the room this morning? Distracted. Thanks, Sam. Anyone else? Frustrated. Where, where did I hear that back there? Frustrated. Thank you. On edge. Busy. Better than yesterday. That's a good word. <laughs> In love. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. <laughs> 
you know what, though? Like, so have you ever felt, have you ever been in a room and felt like sometimes, sometimes it feels risky to say, I feel frustrated, I feel busy, I feel sad. Sometimes it feels risky to say, I'm in love, I'm happy, things are going well. Depending on where we are, the vulnerability can be there for both of those responses. Any response. Hopeful. Excited. All right. So here's the risk we're entering into. Might it be true that whether we are feeling excited or frustrated or selfish or busy or in love, that the passages of Scripture might have a word for us, that God might speak to us right now through the word, through community, through this chance that we have to be together? And what does it mean to approach the scriptures with those real feelings, with those real questions of our lives, and see what God might do with it? So this is a morning where it would be good to either have your Bible open or just have your liturgy in front of you as we <clears throat> look at this passage together. So it begins with three words that might invite a question about Jesus. So what are the first three words of the passage? After John's arrest, who is John? Louder. John the Baptist. And who is John the Baptist to Jesus? Cousin. All right, so here's a question we don't often think about, at least I don't, when I approach the text. How might Jesus be feeling at the beginning of this passage? Concerned. What might he be concerned about? Things are turning. There's arrests taking place. So if I'm Jesus, there might be a little concern. How else might I be feeling? Protective. Say more about that, Linnea. Right. So can we hold this tension that Jesus is fully God and Jesus is fully human? And his cousin has just been arrested. And how does he walk forward in that space with this person that he has known since in the womb? Remember that story of in the womb? John the Baptist leaps when Mary comes. They've had a relationship longer than he's had a relationship with pretty much anybody. And this is the beginning of his ministry. This is when he first starts preaching, is after John has been arrested. But somehow, that is the time that he is preaching God's good news. What might I think would be good news if there is concern, if there's a turning, if there's a rest? What might good news, what might I assume good news would be? Change. Change. We're going to fight. <laughs> what kind of fighting? Right, because other people are watching this too. So Heidi said, 
keep them out of jail or keep further arrests happening. Remember, John has a bunch of disciples that have been following him, and they just watched John get arrested. And so now swoops in Jesus saying, good news is here. And they might be expecting, okay, the good news of standing up against these oppressors, fighting, getting John out of jail, here we go. And what is the good news that Jesus brings? It's time. (laughs) The time has been fulfilled. So in Greek, there's two words for time. You might have heard this before. There's the word chronos, which is the idea of like chronological time and sequence. And there's also the word kairos. Anyone have, uh, this is like a, you know, if you, if you have like Bible quizzing background and like want a chance to show knowledge, we, we put those kind of questions in the mix too. Anyone know what kairos time is or how you would define kairos? Opportunity time. Say more about that. Kairos stops you. What's your name? Mark. That's a great way of phrasing it. Kairos stops you. It's the idea of there is a moment. It is right now. And can I feel it? Can I see it? Can I enter into it? The kairos is overflowing is what Jesus is saying. John has been arrested, but somehow the Kairos time, that moment that stops you, can you see it, can you enter into it, is overflowing. What on earth does that mean? Say more about that, Sally. In case you didn't hear it, you've got to hear the free. I'm going to try to, I can't do a British accent, but I'm going to try to repeat the phrasing of how Sally just said that. You'd like to think you can stop God's timing. But you can't. So. (laughs) That is the moment we are in. The kairos is overflowing. No matter where anybody is, no matter what has happened to anyone at this moment in time, it's now. And the question then is, can we stop Can we see it? And can we enter into it when those moments are here? Ooh, okay. Good. All right. I don't know if, could you guys all hear Steve's question? Would there be skepticism? I've heard this before. What do you all think? (laughs) probably definitely there is a time there's a time when this is a time where there's messiahs coming all of the time because the romans are in control and there's a bunch of people who've stepped into the scene saying different things claiming different things 
Were you going to say something? Well, just that, that um, Jesus was saying some of the same words that other people were saying. So it was on the part of the listeners to decide who to, who to trust, who to choose, who to listen to. All right, I'll try to repeat that too. <laughs> Jesus was saying some of the same things that other people were saying. So it's on the part of the listener to decide who to listen to, who to follow, what to believe about this moment of time. So that seems like a good question for the group. When have you heard people say things that sound almost the same where you have had to decide who to listen to? Anyone have a story about that? <laughs> oh, man, moving into politics. That's the danger of all play questions. <laughs> but right Modern politics, every election, people are saying things that sound the same. How are we going to hear it? How are we going to enter into that? What are we going to believe about that moment in time? Look at what they've done. Say more about that. Right, okay, so this is good. So if we're going to discern something in modern life, if we're interacting with people, one of the things that we can look at is what they have done before. Does what they're saying match their track record? What has Jesus done at this point in time? Nothing! <laughs> Nothing! He has done, well, he has done two things. Louder, Deva. He has been baptized, and when he was baptized, anyone know what was said? This is my son, my beloved, in him I am well pleased. One of the beautiful reflections on Jesus' baptism is the fact that it, become, that it comes in the beginning. It comes before he has proven anything of his belovedness. It's before miracles, it's before sermons, it's before finding followers. It's when he enters the scene that God says, oh, I'm so pleased with you, and I want everybody to know it. So the idea that if, we, if it starts with love, how that changes how we hear things. So this is a great thinking about Jesus, too. If he's beginning with this idea of belovedness, and if we're seeing him as knowing his belovedness, what that means is that he doesn't need anything from us in order to feel beloved. You know those, <clears throat> we won't make this an all-play question, <laughs> but we probably all have relationships that feel conditional in some way, that feel like the reason this person is with me, the reason this person is doing these things for me is because of what they get from it. And if Jesus is starting with this identity of beloved then everything that he's doing is an outflow of that belovedness. He doesn't need us to follow him. He just wants us to follow him.
And so that becomes a whole nother kind of trustworthy voice. So Jesus' track record is he's been baptized, and then he went and spent 40 days in the wilderness like a crazy person. And then he comes out saying, the kairos is overflowing. It's time. In verse 15, not only does he say it's time, what else does he say? Louder. Yes. God's kingdom is arriving. So when I think of, anyone ever been asked by like a kid, where's heaven? How do you answer that question? Okay. All right, Joe, say more about that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. We don't, <laughs> good technique. You're totally ready to be a dad. Way to go, Joe. <laughs> I thought you did. I was ready to hear a profound Thomas the Tank Engine analogy. Those are the kind of questions we sidestep. How do you answer the question of where heaven is? How do you answer the question of where God is? Yeah, Bob. Ooh, heaven is where perfect love exists. And here we have Jesus not saying it's time to go find the kingdom of God. He says the kairos is overflowing and the kingdom of God is drawing near. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here and now. We don't have to go to it. It is coming to us. Look around. Is there perfect love? Is there kairos? Can we say yes? Because it's all here. And so he uses the word, I, we're using the kingdom translation in here, so it says turn back. It's the word repent. And Jesus is doing this brilliant, brilliant thing with that word. So in, the, in Hebrew, the word repentance, anyway, I, I know a few people in the room know this, so we'll, we'll give a chance to use knowledge. Anyone know the word for repent in Hebrew? Teshuva. Teshuva, the root of the word teshuva is shuv, which means, I heard it somewhere, to turn. So there's this trajectory that's already existed in the Old Testament of we're aiming at a target, we miss, and what God is asking us to do when we repent is to turn and to get back on track. In Greek, my Greek pronunciation is horrific, you guys. But the word is metaneo, I, th I think. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and this, 
means to change your mind. Because Jesus knows his audience. There's this quote from Plato that says, um, uh, Plato is quoting Socrates, who says, all philosophers agree, whereby they really exalt themselves, that mind is king of heaven and earth. Perhaps they are right. In the Greek world, that's a quote from 428 B.C. In the world that Jesus is living in, it is firmly established at this point in the time that what is king of all is one's mind. Individually and communally, that mind, that ability to make decisions, that's everything. And Jesus is saying, the kairos is overflowing, the kingdom is drawn near, It is time to change your mind. What is Jesus saying to his audience? Turn back to your heart. Good. More. This isn't going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. Kingdom's different than what you expected. How might it be different, Matt? Can you say more about that? (laughs) Flipping what we're following as real on its head. With one little word, Jesus is already doing that. Metaneo. Look that up. I know I'm pronouncing it wrong. Change your mind. Go back to your heart. Think about who your king really is. And are you ready for everything to be different than what you expected? Somehow, this is the good news that Jesus is offering. And then he runs across these guys who are fishing. And what does he tell them to do? Follow me. What does he tell them about what that will be like? Nothing. (laughs) What does he tell them about why they are called? They'll still be fishermen. What, back there? They're going out to fish for people. How much information is that? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> All right, Alicia's got a great look on her face, you guys. Not enough to leave everything. Because <laughs> here's what we tend to think. Okay, God, I know that you've got something for my life. Show me what my gifts are. Tell me who I'm going with. Show me what that will be like. And then... I'm ready. Jesus tells them practically nothing. All he says is change who your king is. Don't try to figure everything out. I'm here. Let's go. 
trust me and trust the love that is here. And let's go have an adventure together. It's interesting, too, it's something in this passage that I hadn't quite noticed before is <clears throat> James, how did James and John leave their, uh, what is the context of them leaving their father? What does it say about him? Where did they leave him? In the boat with who? So here's the thing. We often talk about these poor, poor fishermen. These guys aren't poor fishermen. They leave their dad with hired servants. They got some means. They might not be the wealthiest class that exists, but they're not the poorest. They have hired servants. They have their own boats. They have their nets. Luke's, Luke talks about these guys being in business together, James and John and Peter and Andrew. And still, Jesus comes along. All right, we're in. What does it mean to see that Kairos moment when it comes? To not know where it's going and to say yes. Right. <laughs> Do you guys? <laughs> True. They could have hated fishing. Let's give them that, because at this point in time, they're like you. You follow the family business. You don't really have much choice. So it could be. Let's to Charlie's point. They might not have liked fishing that much, or they might have loved it. We don't really know. But to Joe's point, what is it about Jesus? What kind of glint does he have in his eye? What kind of love does he carry just in his presence that these guys who know that he's been baptized and spent 40 days in the wilderness say, yeah, okay, sounds rational. I'm in. <laughs> and Okay, say more about that. There's, thank you. What's your name? Don. Don's pointing out that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And what if that could just be sensed in him and this sense of, all right, there's something that you have that I need that I want to be with and I want to do. Hmm.
Ooh, I love that phrasing. Whatever it is, we've got to give it a shot. What kind of longing might have existed in these fishermen who were just, can someone please be different than Caesar? Can someone please be different than these other authorities that I know? And maybe they finally see it and they know that Kairos moment when it's there. And they go, Ah, <laughs> yeah, Karen. <laughs> so that's true, too. Karen's entering us in. Yeah, okay, so this is really risky, right? There's a lot that's not said in the scripture, and there's this uh, rabbinic tradition of Midrash, uh, which is reading between the lines, reading what's, what might be there, what's in, what's in between the stories. We don't know a lot about Jesus' first 30 years of life, and maybe ha- he has done some pretty cool stuff. <laughs> and maybe that's a part of the story, too. Okay, Deva, say more. That sense of belovedness will compel your heart to go places that you have no idea. Let's have that be a question we think about as we go today. What might Jesus' belovedness and the belovedness he is offering to us be compelling us into in our lives? What if we risked exploring that and asking that question? And maybe even explored dropping everything and going on the adventure. Okay, say more about that, Rick. Rick asked about being chosen. How sweet to be the first picked, and I'll just add to that. So that feeling of being on the courtyard, the schoolyard, and being the last picked, and when you're the first picked, it means you say yes to the team before you know what. Who else is on it? (laughs) So you got a little tension you're holding there of, ooh, sweet, I'm first in, and then. A little later on, Jesus is going to invite this tax collector onto the team, and he's going to invite this zealot onto the team, and maybe you're going, wait a minute. (laughs) I didn't know I was saying yes to that team. I got to hang with these guys for three years. (laughs) So we're chosen and being invited into the joy and risk of what it means to be chosen side by side. Can we do that in community? Uh, speaking of risk and community, um, so another thing Steve and I were talking about with this morning is I <coughs> is taking a risk together. So sometimes uh, Steve is in the room with me for scripture circles, and based on what is said in the room, writes a song of the words that are spoken and where the community is and how that can go with us in a special way as we leave a study. And so uh, he's done that <laughs> this morning. Uh, 
maybe. <laughs> he gets to strum on the guitar a little bit and find a key, and I'll talk a little bit while he does that. Um, so here's what is good to do when we are studying together and then when we're leaving a place, is thinking about what is it that God wants me to bring with me from here? In all that was talked about and the questions that were asked and answered and the spaces in between, what stirred in my heart that's something that I could keep wrestling with, keep thinking about, keep journaling about throughout my week. And maybe this song would be a way to let those things root deeper and to think about how God might still be speaking into the frustrated, selfish, in love, busy places of our lives with this text. So Steve will play a song and then we'll uh, have silence and then Scott will come up and do the prayers and the Eucharist for us. So what I do is I take the words that are in the room and I write them down and then I, I try to think of some sort of melody and then I play it for you all. And so I don't really actually know how this song goes yet. But here's what I heard. I also reserve the right to never play it this way again. Still finding it. Can you see me? Do you know me? Have you come to help me? Can you see me? Do you know me? Have you come to help me? Do you love us only when we live in perfect love? smile only at the beautiful ones can you see me do Crash over me like a tidal wave. Show me how life comes back to life. And change my mind and help me find the upside down. Right side up. 
Here's the last bit. Call me beloved And I'll walk as beloved Call me beloved And I'll walk as beloved Sing that with me, ready? Call me beloved And I'll walk as beloved Call me beloved And I'll walk as beloved One more time Call me beloved, I walk as beloved, call me beloved, I walk as beloved. Father, thank you for calling us to speak to us in this moment of silence.